Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Always great to have your calls and your texts coming through. Dwayne's World for Athena Home Loans. Be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. Always great to talk the world game with Simon Hill. So many of uh, the listeners of this program love it when we have Simon on and the host of the Global Game, which you can catch more of Simon and his team at 8pm tonight across the SEN network. Simon Hill's been good enough to join us. Simon, great to have you on the program. Always good to talk uh, A-League with you. How are you, Dwayne? You good? I'm good, I'm good, although I might rattle your cage early here, and this could be my fault, but uh, I was with a family function a week or so ago, and I thought I'd see how the Melbourne Derby went, and like you do, you Google a score, and I know you've been on about this, the, the coverage of the game, the way that we here in Australia cover the game, the first headline I saw, and this is a few headlines when I Google around, fans evacuated from Melbourne A-leg Derby, players' tempers boil over, in heated clash, and then I read another one that said virtually the same. Uh, on-field fireworks display was the advertiser's column, and then I actually clicked on the article, obviously, as you do, and I, I read there was a fire alarm that went off. Now, maybe that's my, my mind taking me down a direction about A-League that I shouldn't go down, but I'm just attuned to when I see a headline like that thinking there was trouble. I, the headline got me clicking, though, so what's, who's at fault here? Yeah, funny that, huh? Uh, very inflammatory headline, and um, you would suggest that that uh, headline writer probably knew what they were doing um, because it plays on age-old stereotypes of not just the A-League, but uh, you know the game in general. Uh, if you read a headline that includes fireworks, particularly with regards to a Melbourne derby after what happened you know, a year or two ago, uh, you're going to think, oh, here we go again. Um, yeah, look, you know, I've done another radio interview this morning where uh, that was the first question about, uh, oh, you know, there was a fire alarm and people were evacuated. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> and? I mean, what are we supposed to do about fire alarms? Um, unfortunately, this this is, you know, some of the prejudice that, that surrounds the game, the way it's reported. And it's generally because not only are there a hundred years of stereotypes that we have to deal with, but also a lot of the journalists that, you know, now write those stories are not football journalists. They are put on it because it's a big game and they don't understand what they're watching. So, of course, they're going to go for whatever grabs a headline. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's disappointing, but, um, you know, we've got we've got nothing to try and defend here. It's a fire alarm. I'm sure that yeah. has happened at AFL and rugby league and cricket yeah. down the years. Uh, yeah. What do we do? Uh, well, there's people like me that have got to not click on stuff like that and uh, and all of a sudden get hysterical about it and think, oh, what's happened? And then all of a sudden I realise, what's well, a bloody fire alarm. So who cares? But, but I thought I'd throw it at you anyway. Sorry to interrupt, mate. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, when you click on that, you see you're you're looking for a, for a line, aren't you? And, you know, it's, this is unfortunately what we have to deal with. Now, if, if Jamie McLaren, for example, had scored five goals in that game and the headline was... McLaren, the five-goal hero, would you have clicked on it? Yeah, I would have, actually. Uh, uh, that was what I was looking for. I, I was looking yeah. for a score. I was looking for a storyline in that game, and I Correct. I would have clicked yeah. on it because I was simply looking for what is the story out of the derby, really. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> and that's the and that's where I'm, I mean, I want to know what's going on, but uh, that's the that's your Maybe you just actually should have taken the time to watch the game myself, and then I would have realised that the on-pitch stuff was the talking point. And let's get on pitch. Um, well, let's get off pitch, firstly. Marco Rudan <laughs> copped a three-match suspension. So uh, there's a bit going on off the pitch and on the pitch in the A-League at the moment. Uh, did what he had to say um, resonate with you? Was he correct or was he just out of line saying it? 
Look, I, I don't necessarily buy into conspiracy theories with regards to referees and officialdom. Um, <laughs> having said that, he had another bad call go against him at the weekend when Jacob Farrell could quite easily have been uh, sent off for a foul on Marcus Antonsen that, that may well have broken his foot. Uh, so, you know, you can understand that he's aggrieved with, with some of the decisions that have gone against him. But, uh, you know, every club, fans of every team feel that referees are against them. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that bit is true. Uh, he did go on to say that, you know, there were there were problems generally with the administration of the league. And on that point, I agree. And it's time that, uh, you know, people within the game maybe started calling that out a bit more because everybody's livelihood is at stake. And, uh, you know, the, their record over the last couple of years has not been that flash. So I, I'm sort of half with him, but uh, we, we've got to be very careful about starting to accuse referees of being intentionally biased towards one team or another. Um, it's not true. And uh, it's, it's dangerous because... You know, then we encourage the fans to think the same way. So in that regard, I think it's right that he's been punished. But uh, uh, there was a kernel of truth about some of the other comments. It's a different looking ladder right now, a different looking top three. Yeah, it is. Uh, Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I mean, I said this earlier on today on another radio show that, uh, you know, if you'd have said at the start of the season with eight or nine games to go, that there'll be one team that is five points clear at the top. Out of 100 people, I reckon 99 wouldn't have said Wellington Phoenix. Um, so they've had a terrific season. Uh, you know, three or four games at the top of the ladder, you think, OK, it's a good start. Even nine or ten, you're thinking, well, there's a long way to go. But when they are where they are with only eight or nine games to go, it, it's theirs to lose. And you've got to say that they're now the favourites for the Premiership. Uh, obviously, there's a finals to come after that, which will decide the champion club. But... Uh, I'm full of admiration for Giancarlo Italiano, their coach, who uh, took over unheralded from Ukitale at the start of the season. Uh, and we've got him on the global game tonight, so hopefully we'll get a bit more insight as, uh, as to how he's done it. Melbourne City, the surprise for you, given how low, well, I think they're seventh and won, what, one of their last three, I think? Um, a little bit, but, you know, they've had a big turnover of players. And, of course, they've... You know, they sat their coach after a couple of games as well, Rado Vidasic, uh, replacing with Aurelio Bidmar. They've lost a lot of talent, the likes of Geordie Boss and uh, Tom Glover. Um, they've had injuries to Matt Leckie, to Andrew Naboot. So it, it's been a, an adjustment process. And this happens sometimes because of a salary cap league. You're going to lose a lot of your top talent, uh, particularly when you're doing well. So they've come back to the pack. Uh, there's still a chance to make the finals, obviously, because we've got a top six final system. But, uh, yeah, I think it was probably always going to be the case that they were going to come back to the pack. Although, interestingly, you know, the Central Coast Mariners have had a similar scenario play out. They lost their coach. They lost half a team on the back of winning the title last year. And they're in second. So it can be done. Um, but, uh, you know, it relies on a lot of things going your way, uh, including your recruitment and um yeah, City just ha- haven't quite been the same as they were last season, that's for sure. And Tarnit, not sure if you've driven past Tarnit, but it looks like Western United are going to have a nice home there. It's a massive growing area. Yeah, look, it's a start. Um, I'm glad that they've got that training ground finished. Um, that, that's the first part of the jigsaw. Now, it shouldn't be the end point. It should just be the beginning because, of course, they promised to build a 15,000 all-seater uh, football-specific stadium, which the game desperately needs, not just Western United. Um, But this is uh, the first building block, if you like, and uh, it'll be good to see them back playing 
in the region that they represent. It's, it's been a travelling circus, really, for the last three or four years. Uh, not good for the league, certainly not good for Western United. Now they can put down some roots and, and hopefully start to grow their fan base, which uh, is still, at the moment at least, uh, way too small. Yeah, it's one of Melbourne's big stories out of the A-League uh, this last week and a bit, but the big story in WA, obviously, Perth Glory finding new owners, including a couple of legends. Yeah, Mark Bresciano and uh, and Vince Grella are part of the consortium that is led by Ross Pelligra uh, that has taken over the famous old club. Very successful, of course, in the days of the old National Soccer League, a little bit less so in the A-League, uh, but a club with huge potential. Um, and he's said all the right things so far. I, I saw a quote from him yesterday saying this is the club that belongs to all of WA. We want the fans to be you know, owners of the club. Um, and I think some of the other owners should remember that. They're only there on loan, really, uh, even though they own a club. It's, it's a community asset, and the fans should be put first. So obviously that's got to be backed up with actions, not just words. But, um, yeah, it's, it's great that that's been resolved. Uh, it's been a headache for uh, the APL, the umbrella group that's, uh, that runs the game. Uh, now they've just got to get Newcastle Jets off their hands, hopefully find new owners for uh, this new franchise in Canberra. And uh, we'll have a 14-team league next season, which would be very nice. And we can't let you go without a quick uh, word on, well, not just the EPL, but the Matildas. Is what just another sold-out game coming up for the Matildas? Yeah, it's a pity it's a, an AFL stadium, but that's my own personal <laughs> belief. Yeah. Um, you know, where you're about three million miles away from the pitch. But, uh, yeah, look, you know, they continue to be uh, one of the headline acts, um, not just in football in this country, but in any sport. So... This is a big game for them. Uh, the first leg is in Uzbekistan, in Tashkent, uh, a few days prior to this game in, in Melbourne. Uh, and I'm sure they'll get the job done and, and qualify for the Paris Olympics. No Sam Kerr, of course. She's not probably not going to make the Olympics because of injury. Uh, but there's still plenty of other players to get excited about. And, uh, you know, they should be good enough to get the job done against Uzbekistan. And one of ours, Andy Mars, sent the cat amongst the pigeons with uh, a claim that Ange's management has been sounded out by Liverpool. I think is I want to get the wording right, but I think that's roughly what he said. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think Xabi Alonso is is the favourite for that job, and probably understandably so. He's, he's doing a terrific job with Bayer Leverkusen in Germany. They're, they're five points clear of Bayern Munich in that competition. And, of course, he, he knows Liverpool back to front because he played there. Um, so I think he'd be the front runner. But uh, if, for whatever reason... You know, that was to fall through. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ange would be their next choice because boyhood Liverpool fan uh, used to have posters of uh, Kevin Keegan and John Toshak, etc. on his wall when he was growing up in Melbourne. So, you know, I, th- I think if Liverpool came calling, that would be an interesting uh, choice for Ange because he's only just really started his job at Tottenham, which is a big club on its own right. Uh, but would he be tempted by, uh, you know, the romance of, of of going to a club that he loves so much, it's uh, it's fascinating. I don't know, your heart says Man City and you've got full faith in Man City, but there's a couple of teams above you on the ladder at the moment. Uh, what's your head saying, Man City, Arsenal or Liverpool? Well, City have got a game in hand that we play tonight against Brentford. So if we win that one at the Etihad, then the gap is one point uh, and we will go back into second. Um, Liverpool have got to be you know, considered the favourites at the moment because they've got the points on the board. Uh, there's a big clash coming up on the 10th of March at Anfield, Liverpool against Man City. I'm not saying that's going to decide it, but uh, might go a long way to doing so. And at uh, the bottom end, uh, you're a little bit, who are you worried about most? I mean, Burnley, Sheffield United, there's a few playing for their lives, including Everton still. Yeah, well, Everton, have, uh, of course, uh, had this 10-point deduction, and it's possible they could get another 10-point deduction because they're in 
in strife mm-hmm. again over the uh, the financial fair play rules in the Premier League. If, the, if they get another deduction, that could be the, uh, the death knell for Everton. And they've been in the top flight of English football, I think, since the 1950s. So that would be a huge uh, shock that would reverberate around the game in England. I think Sheffield United no disrespect to them, and Burnley uh, are probably nailed on to go down. They just concede way too many goals. Uh, again, same day, 10th of March, uh, Sheffield United against Burnley at Bramall Lane. That will probably be uh, a decider for one of those two clubs. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit to go yet, but I think Sheffield United, Burnley, and one other. And what else can we hear tonight? Global game tonight, 8pm across the SEN network, Simon Hill, as the host, you can uh, download the podcast any time, of course, but you can listen to it live tonight. Yeah, well, as I say, we've got Giancarlo Italiano coming on uh, to talk about Wellington Phoenix. Uh, we'll be doing uh, a bit of a chat about the state of the game. Uh, not a very in-depth chat, but uh, you know, certainly a lot's happened since I last hosted the show. I've been away at the Asian Cup, so we'll, uh, we'll have a bit of a conversation about all the things that have happened in the meantime. And um, We've got all our usual Spencer Pryor talking Premier League, Paul Williams, Football Asia, and Alicia Carnavas will be looking ahead to the Matildas against Uzbekistan. So uh, a busy show again tonight. Any blue card talk? Is that going to happen or not? Uh, we get calls to this show quite often. Uh, AFL bosses leave the damn game alone. Do you get the similar calls with your sport when they throw up ideas like a send-off rule? Well, I'd like a send-off not rule, a, 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 a sin bin rule. Right? It's everybody's sport. It's only yeah. the same as AFL. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, I, I'm a traditionalist. I don't like... Uh, the constant tinkering with the rules. Uh, I'm no fan of VAR. Uh, and this blue card's suggestion is it's going to be trialled at, at, at lower league levels in some of the you know, lesser competitions. Um, I Personally, I'm not a fan. Uh, I leave even more confusion. And, uh, you know, we'll have VAR getting involved in blue cards at, at, at some point, which will slow the game down even further. We're going to get to the point where a game of football goes on for about four hours. Um, I don't think it's a positive development, but uh, you know, th- this is the modern era, unfortunately. Uh, when, when you have cameras everywhere, fans demand perfection. And the problem is you can't have it because it's a human game. And there are always going to be mistakes made and differences of opinion. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if FIFA introduce it by their lawmaking body, IFAB, because they seem to like to tinker with what is the best game in the world. I can't fathom it, to be honest. Uh, nice editorial to end it, Simon. Good to have you. Always good to have you. We'll be listening to no- tonight. No editorial, just fact. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, thanks for letting me rattle your cage early. Simon Hill, host of the Global Game, 8pm tonight. We're back to wrap it all up after the break on Twainsville.